If those who don't know, for those visiting, my name's Antoine. Um, one of quite a few deacons we have here in the Bronx ministry. Um, so, you know, the areas that we, we, we serve in and then help in in the, in the church. And again, I have the privilege of bringing the message uh, before you today. Um, and so I just have, well, I'm going to give you kind of a little, little bit about me and about us, us being as people. Um, we all spend, and my wife, Pam, will confirm this for me. Um, right, Pam? She would. We all spend a great, and, and my cousin, my cousin Barbara, uh, we all spend, I'm grateful to be here, a great deal of time looking for stuff. The first spanking, I only, I'll be honest, I was raised by an only, by an old, um, as an only child raised by a single mom. I had two spankings in my life. Some of you have had more. The second one was young Antoine, they call me Tony when I was a kid, had a habit when I was like second, first grade, second grade, third grade. My mother would got buy me book bags every fall like now, and I would get the book bag every year, um, maybe about two, three months in, I guess, I'd lose the whole book bag. I don't mean just the bag. I'm talking about the books she bought, everything, everything, right? And I remember the last, I just kept doing it, leaving in school, leave it on a, I don't know where I would leave stuff, but it wasn't at home. It wasn't like it was in the house. So I'd lose stuff, lose stuff, lose stuff. And I think one, I don't remember when it was, but I think I already lost one already with all the books, all the materials. And I remember I came home and back in the day, I grew up in the projects right here on the east side of the Bronx. And one of the fun things to do was wrestle in the grass. Like back then, the UFC back then, you know, the wrestling. And so some kids, yeah, let's wrestle. So I had to put my book back down, and we were like, ah, roll. I don't know what we did. I just remember rolling around. And then sure enough, I don't know if they took it as a joke, but it's gone. And so it was gone. I was like, oh, again? So I said, man, I got to tell my mother again. I lost the book back. But it wasn't my fault this time because these guys were wrestling, and I put, it, I put it by a tree. I remember specifically it was by a tree. Bronxdale Avenue, right down near Watson. Not there. So I said, okay. Now, my mother, if you knew her, was as even as a placid lake. Never raised her voice above this toe. When I came home and I told her, I don't know where it is. She spanked me with a syllable spank. She got the belt out and, you know, did I? And I just remember, I remember she kept spanking me and then going to the window because it looked out the front to see if she could see the book bag. <laughs> like she would do it and look. And then she would come back. You told her like back and forth, back and forth. That was the only, but I remember, but I'm going to say this and I think it's accurate. I've misplaced. I've never lost another book bag. So, is that accurate? Never. I may misplace it, but for some reason, I, well, for some reason, you know, maybe I needed more of those. That's another topic. But look, we as people are like search engines. You know, we say about search engines on the internet. We are search engines. That's all we do. I mean, even psychologically, the, 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 of most of our emotions, not most, a good bunch of our emotions are around seeking. 
looking for something. You know, like, like if you ever look at even animals, have you noticed 90% of animals always looking for something? Squirrels, roaches, whatever. You know, they're just walking around. They're not, if they're not eating, what are they doing? Food for, 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 for mating, for shelter, for, they're always looking. And that's, look, we're not too different. We as people are search engines. That's, it's like, that's what we are wired to do. We're wired to look, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? Um, a story. There was a guy named old, see, kind of legendary figure called Nasruddin. Um, he's, I think he's an old Islamic, uh, uh, like, wise man. And there's an interesting story about Nasruddin. Ancient, I think, from the 4th century. It says... And this is Nasruddin. He was like an old guy, picture guy, old Middle East. He said his friend Mansur came to visit him and sees Nasruddin on his hands and knees, crawling on the sidewalk under the street lamp, obviously searching for something, appearing frustrated. Concerned for his friend, Mansur asked, Nasruddin, what are you looking for? Did you lose something? Yes, Mansur, I lost the key to my house, and I'm trying to find it, but I can't. Let me help you, responded Mansur. Mansour joins his friend, kneels down on his hands and knees, and begins to crawl on the sidewalk under the street lamp, searching. After a time, having looked everywhere on and around the sidewalk, neither Nasruddin nor Mansour can find the lost key. Puzzled, Mansour asks his friend to recall his steps when he last had the key. Nasruddin, where did you lose the key? When did you, when did you last have it? I lost the key in my house, Nasruddin responds. In your house, responded the astonished Mansour. Then why are we looking for the key here outside in the sidewalk under the street lamp? Without hesitation, as Ruben responds, it's because there is more light here. <laughs> Look, that story, Nasruddin was known for being a wise man who would use those situations to teach. What do you think the lesson was? Yell, yell some out. Go where the light is? Okay, possible. You go where the light is. He didn't go where the light was. We, we have a habit as people of looking for things according to what's more comfortable for us. We, 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 let's say we want something, but what we'll tend to do is look for places that are convenient. You know, we want whatever. Fill the blank. We won't get out of our proverbial comfort zone, and we'll only go to look for those things we want in the places that we already expect to find it, the places that we're used to, the places that um, we've already searched, and we'll keep going back there. In other words, it's not really the best place to look. We do that with a lot of things, uh, from looking for a mate, you know, as, as, as the TV series Catfish reminds you, that's not a great place necessarily to look for a mate. Um, but we, we tend, more importantly, we tend to look for God in feeling good. Whether it's emotional experience or getting all of our wishes granted or keeping all of our stuff, we look for God in in, in places and in situations and in ways that just make us feel good on the inside. We say, if it feels good, I'm going to look for God in that way. We live for God and for his will, and this even as Christians, and things that help us feel safe. 
You know, we know that, man, if it makes us feel safe, that's where God is. I'm going to look for him there. In other words, we look for a formula. We want a formula. We do this. We do that. We do this. God has got to be. God is going to help me find a formula. And in the formula that solves, that will guarantee me peace, success, whatever, that's where God must be. We also look for God in only miraculous changes in our circumstances. We know that if I can figure out how I can change my situation, God must be somewhere in that. If there's some promise to that. In other words, God is where if he can take away my craving or my struggle. If he can take away my craving for cigarettes, my craving for pornography, then I know that's when I know God is present. Until then, he's not around. I'm not going to look for them in all this, the struggle, the pain, the withdrawal. He's not there. He's in, I'm going to pray. And a lot of times when people go to churches or, and they're waiting for it to be touched, and all of a sudden they're just, I'm unburdened. And they figure that's where God is at. But look, when God gets me those things, when God gets me the relationship I need, I know that's where he's at. And we also tend... And we've done this as Christians in our fellowship a lot. We all do. We're people, right? Amen? We're the church. We're people. Uh, we look for God in the past and in the future. He's always in the past. It's, you know, the good old days, which the Bible says is not wise to do that. You can look that up. It actually says it is not wise to say why are times better uh, then than now. Um, or we look for God in the future, what we're going to do. We set a lot of goals. You know, when I do this... When I do that, man, God is going to, I'm going to, I'm going to meet this student. Like Maurice preached sometimes, I appreciate the fact that he comments on how we think as a culture in our church. And we do think very goal, you know. What's we going to do? This, this, I'll share ten people and, I'll, and I'm repenting, you know, da, 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 whatever we got to do. And that's not bad, but we tend to look for God back then or somewhere over there in the future that we haven't gotten to yet. And as Christians, the question is this. With all that searching, once we have scripture, where do we go to find God's, find God, number one? So wait a minute, I thought you said the scripture. We have the Bible. But unfortunately, the Bible is not going to go on October 17th. Mark Smith or Mel Myrie or, or, or whoever is going to get a job at this rate, blah, 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 blah. You're going to, be, you're going to marry Sally Sananda. Like it's not, the Bible won't give you that. It just won't. It, 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 so even with Scripture, we're still on an intense search as Christians. Where, where do I find God's specific will for my life? The details. I want details. I don't want the global. You'll be joyful. You know, like... Okay, <laughs> we want, who's, who am I going to marry? How much money am I going to make? Am I going to get that job? I'm a, um, it's, what's going to happen with this in 10 years to 15? Look, we're in a stage, Pam and I, where we're in that, you know, Pam retired this season. And we know, we trust, but we want details. <laughs> what is it going to look like? You know, and so look, I don't know where you are in your search for what, where God's will is for your life, or 
where you are in terms of your search for God himself. Um, some of you here are visitors. I want to say thank you. When I say visitors, you're here, you're curious. Somebody invited you, you're just coming as a guest, you're being friendly, you like the, you know, it's, it's nice, it's nice. I want to encourage you, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming, and I want to say thank you for being here. But I know there's things that you are searching for, or you probably wouldn't have come at all. Some of you are actively seeking, maybe studying the Bible right now, and you're actively looking for God. You're, you're, you're sitting down with Scripture. Or even before you study with somebody, you've been praying, you've been, you've been trying to figure out, how can I grow? How can I change? Where is Jesus? People tell about, I got saved, I got saved, I got saved. What does that mean? You want to know what that is? If you're here today, I want to be able to give you something that will help you figure out what will your next step be. If you're a young Christian, some of us here, who's been recently baptized in the past two years? Okay. And under, if you are that, I want to encourage you that what I'm going to give you is not my view, but from a source that will give you how you can find out the specific details of God's will for your life and where you will find the next phase. If you are, started to say old, but I won't. If you are (laughs) seasoned. If you are seasoned, if you've been seasoned Christian, 15, 30 years, some of the, us guys have been around that we do remember Peter. You know, we remember Silas and Paul, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Aren't we grateful the Romans finally collapsed? Woo, we were up. We, we, we feel like we've been in the church a long time. I want to encourage you that... That's when, especially in this phase of our lives, we're really looking for God's will. How is this all going to end? Let's be honest. How am I going to retire? How am I going to... So I want this to be something I think will encourage you. I think will give you something to chew on and will probably lead you to that next step for your life. Jesus gives a surprising answer when you look at what he teaches about the kingdom of God about where you can find God and his will. So if I had to give a title, the title of what I'm going to share with you, and I'm going to leave you with four questions that I think will be awesome for your Bible study, your personal Bible study by the time we end. Amen? Four places God loves to hang out. Four places God just loves hanging out at. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look at your word, as I share my life, I pray that you would reveal to us what we personally need to go to that next place you're calling us to. We love you. Be with my words. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at Matthew chapter 4 and verse 12. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 12. I mean, yeah, 4, 12 through 17. It reads, When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which is by the lake in the area of Zebulon and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulon and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, 
a light is dawn. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Um, other translations, and I think it's actually a better translation. Well, no, near is good. It, it can be literally meant at hand. That the kingdom is so close. As he was speaking to those crowds, he's saying every Jew wanted the kingdom. The kingdom is God's perfect will on earth. Not in heaven. But it's here. And he said, guess what? The thing you've been waiting for, looking for, looking at this world and thinking, man, get this nasty Romans out of our country. We, we want to be back to where things were and beyond. They're looking for the Messiah. He says, guess what? It's right at hand. It, you could reach out and grab it now. That was the message of the kingdom. The message of the kingdom, then and now, was that God is at hand for the lost, for the least, and for the left out. We focus on God seek to save the lost. True, Jesus said that. God came to seek to save the lost. God came to seek to save the lost. Come to seek to save the lost. The lost. Are you lost? We're going to get you saved if you're lost. But we leave out of the gospel that God also came to save those at the bottom. Not just their salvation eternally, but also to, to improve and enhance their lives. Jesus also came to all the people that have been left out of our culture and our system. The early church, by the world of that day's standard, was whack. It had, when I say whack, it had nothing going for it. I mean, they, they weren't impressed with Christians at all. They just thought, they actually, the, the accusation Christians got in the first century from ancient writings were, we were like atheists. Can you guess why? They were called Christians, they were accused. I forgot the name of the guy, you can look it up. He accused Christians of being atheists. No temple, no incense, no nice statues, no great music, whack! You know, like... They don't even. They thought Christians didn't believe in God because they didn't do any of the glitzy stuff most religions do. But that was on purpose. Those who were at the bottom were reached out to. God can be found where that is. New life in the middle of your life, whatever your life looks like, right now. God loves to hang out. In these four places. First one, God loves to hang out and he can be found in pain. Matthew 5, you think about the Beatitudes in verse 3. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Beatitudes are literally my view. This is my conviction. I heard this in a few studies. Are Jesus, when he was preaching, when the crowds were coming to him, pointing out to the apostles, these are the people that are going to make it. In other words, who was coming to Jesus? It was the lost, the leafed, and the left out. These are all the people the Pharisees and the Sadducees ignored. 
And they were the ones who were coming. They were those who were feeling the pain of being at the bottom of their culture. And now they're granted access and privilege with God himself. He skipped over the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the ruling class. And he was, the, the ones who really were coming were, the, were, were those kinds of people. God enjoys redeeming the d- distressed because they're in touch with what it means to be human. In other words, those who've been humbled by life are the ones he's looking for. And you know what confirmation it is? If you look in Luke 6, 24, 26, that's where you begin to see the be opposites. <laughs> I call them the be opposites. That's where Jesus says, but woe to you who are rich, for you've already received your comfort. He says, woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. In other words, he looks at those who, who had it all, and he says, you guys are in trouble. God doesn't hang out in just feeling good, having everything. He doesn't hang out with the forceful the full and the satisfied with their lives. He doesn't hang out with those people who just don't care. He doesn't hang out with the secondary benefit people. They go to church or read their Bible because they're going to get a blessing. They They don't hang out with them. God is not around the hardliners. In other words, whatever the political, religious issue, I'm good, those people are bad. He doesn't hang out with them. He hangs out with peacemakers. God doesn't hang out with the praised and the favored. But unfortunately... The people who are not like that are at the bottom. And those are the people that were coming to Jesus. If you just write down 1 Samuel 22, verse 1, you see a picture of it with David. David, it says that everybody who was in debt and distress and discontented came to David. But it was when he was running from Saul in the cave. All those people who were in pain came to David for healing. I didn't realize, and I realize now why God, I think, called me. I didn't realize who I really was fully until I remember when I was in high school filling out a college application. And you know when a college, they ask you for all your information. And I remember I wrote down, I said, okay, um, live in the Bronx, residence. Oh, I live in public housing. Um, savings. Okay, how much, Ma, how much savings do you have? Zero. No. Okay. Uh, what what properties do we own? Nothing. Income. Well, I mainly getting my mother SSI. I think as I filled out the form, I went, oh, <laughs> like you know, I didn't think of that. But I'm like, yo, I'm at the bottom. I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a needy case, you know. Like, I got a lot of stuff, but but I realized I said, you know what? That's probably one of the reasons why God wanted to reach out to me. This only child, isolated, avoidant kid in the Bronx. I want him. (laughs) You know, like, look, the great thing is, guys, we are those people that God has found. Not because we're so great, but we're the ones because we were in distress, in debt, and disconnected. And that's what God decided to do. Look, I want to give us encouragement. It's not about who's first in our culture. As Christians, don't line up quick to be first. Get in touch with God. Find God in your pain. Find God in your depression. Somewhere in there, God is there. Find God in serving those who are in pain. Even if you feel like, well, man, God has really blessed my life. If you want to know what your next step for God is... 
even if you feel you're doing really well, God hangs out with those who you can serve. That's where he's hanging out. You'll find the details of God's will if you do that. Guaranteed. Not because I say it, because I think you see it all through the Scripture. I think it's the Spirit. Last three, God is found in prayer. If you really want to find God, make committed time to pray. So wait a minute. I knew that already, but committed time. If you just write down Acts 4, verse 23, and Acts 10, verses 1 through 5, even Cornelius, who was a Roman soldier, basically respected God, wasn't a Christian, wasn't even a full Jew, but just respected God enough to pray back then three times a day. It was called the Amidah prayer. It was at 9, 12, and 3. And he did it steadfastly, and he gave, like we just read, gifts to the poor. God sent the apostle Peter to his house. He says, I want him. God hangs out when you commit time in prayer. If you are a guest, if you're somebody here, for well, all you decided to do is I'm going to spend time in prayer in a committed, disciplined fashion to seek God's will. God is going to be there. He's going to show up. He may even send someone to your house. Like, like Cornelius. But I'm telling you, prayer, serve the poor, God hangs out in that atmosphere. So far you notice, I didn't say churches yet. Because that's secondary. God hangs out in these primary places. Make steady time for prayer. You will find the next steps for your life. It'll become so clear, crystal clear. Get in touch with your pain, your own, as well as serving the pain and starting with, with others. Three, God is found in presence. When I say presence, God is found, God wants to work on the inside. You want to look for God, we look everywhere, right? We look up, down, left. He wants to go so close, he wants to start from the inside out. So he hangs out on the inside. In other words... We, a lot of times when we pray, we want to skip that part and go straight to changing the circumstances. You know, right away, you know. Let's just fix the circumstances, fix the circumstances. If you look in Luke eleven five, one of the statements Jesus says by verse 13 after prayer, he says, How much more will the Father grant you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? In other words, whatever you pray for as a Christian... God is not going to first answer with the stuff. He's going to answer first by giving you his presence through the Spirit. Lord, I want... Fill the blank. The first work he will do immediately is going to start working on you. The catch is, it don't always feel good. <laughs> That's the only catch. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not even joking. Let's say, I'm going to give you an example. Now, God can say yes or no to anything he wants, right? But let's say you decide to pray. God, I want a certain career. First thing he's going to do is work where? And you can fill the blank with evangelism, deep spiritual things. God loves to start on the inside. He hangs out there. He, remember, we always do that scripture, and a lot of people do, that he stands at the door. What is he knocking on? He's knocking on the heart. That's where he wants to be. 
So God is always around His presence on the inside. If you look for God there, you're going to find God's will. You'll find it. You'll find all the details if you start from the inside out. Not outside. Don't skip and go to that part. Go to the inside out. Um, Finally, God loves, God loves to hang out in the present. First one was presence. Now I'm going to share this. In the present with the T. In other words, here and now. God loves to hang out in the here and now. You could write down in um, Acts chapter 4, verse 31 to 32. It says how after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled. Presence first, right? Inside first. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and then spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. That in other words, right after that prayer, God was in the next thing they did. Literally. You pray for something. You're looking for God. God is actually in the next thing that you will do this hour. So what do you mean by that? God is in the next thing you're going to do in the next five minutes. The next thought after we close out church, the people you speak to left and right. How can you as Christian, as a Christian, get into I'm going to get real quick. I'm going to get ready to land this plane, but I want this one thing to get across. There's a difference between values and goals. As Christians, we focus on the goal. A goal is something that you're eventually going to cross off your list. If you have a goal of fill the blank, you'll get it or you won't get it. Either way, you're going to cross it off your list eventually. The values are the things that you can do at any point in time. You can do it in many circumstances, and you'll be doing it until you leave the planet and maybe beyond. A goal is, I want to, give me something. A BMW, give me another one. A job. House. Boy, you guys are pagans. Something spiritual. Give me a goal. What? Whatever we can yell out, you'll, you may or may not get it, but you say you get it, you'll cross it off. A value is faithfulness, patience. A value is appreciating relationship over things. Those things you can do immediately. You can, do, you can say, man, I have a goal. I want to get deeper in the fellowship. I, I have a goal of one day being a great whatever, whatever in this church. Okay, that's a goal. Good goal. Do you value people? Do you value, as Corey, I really appreciate what Corey shared, do you value serving? If you value serving, that starts like the next 10 seconds. (laughs) If you value love, that's now. So keep your goals. But if you really want to look for God's will... Look for God's will in the fruit of the Spirit, basically what I'm saying. Look for God's will in what Christians value that's ongoing, that you want, that you can do at any point in time, any place, 2 a.m. in the morning, in your house, whatever. It doesn't matter. Values are eternal. 
that you never cross values off your list. Never do. So you, and but that's where you will find God. Not in goals. God hangs out in values. God hangs out in the present, in those values. I want to give you four questions as we, as we stopping right here. But I wanted to give you the four questions. I think they're important. Are they up there? Yep, these four, these are life application questions that I think can revolutionize your Bible study. I, I, I found them and I thought, man, this is pretty intense. But I said, it's good. It's good because I really does, I think it exemplifies finding God in, in sometimes our pain, finding God and looking for him in a, a, a prayer and in the presence, in his presence and in the present. And in, in actually, look, and all of this requires actual obedience. So if you want to find God, in essence, I'm basically saying, be what? Obedience. You will find every single detail of God's will, and he's there. He's hanging out there. There's been sightings. He's there. Three are the four questions, and you can try this even with this message today, or anything you've heard so far today, whether it's from uh, Corey or from Nick or from John, or if you, something you read today is one, what did I learn about God from this passage? What did I learn about people from this passage? Whether the passage was a sentence or, or extended, whatever. Ask yourself those questions. Get, get that in first. Third question, how will I commit to obey this passage this week? We said, well, nothing crazy. Nothing super, but we would call radical. But how will I commit to obey this passage this week or even today? I have a habit of being verbally abusive when I'm angry. I'm going to get some help and talk about it this week. That's how I'm going to obey this passage about husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Or I'm going to regularly check in with my wife about how have I been doing with my temper every single day and just ask him. Whatever you choose, God will make it clear. But just make a choice. How will I commit to obey this passage this week or today? Whatever one you choose. And finally, how will I commit to share what I learned this week? In other words, think of a face and a name that you have make a commitment. I'm going to share what I learned from this time with another person in my house, outside of my house, co-worker, friend. I'm going to share this with Richard at my job. You know what I read today? I was reading this, blah, 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 blah. And as you're reading, you, read, you know, think about it. You're also talking about how you've applied it if you happen to have a good conversation with that person. Those four questions really help growth and will really help being able to find God. So if you want, write them down. Um, I didn't get it. I didn't make them up. It's, it's from a, um, actually, it's from a group that, that really focuses on, they take very seriously teaching others to obey. Matthew 28. And realize that if you really want to get the Bible in, the way to really discover God's will is you've got to apply. And then God will, God has a habit of letting his will roll out in, in little details. But he does give details. God isn't vague forever. He will 
give you details. So, brothers and sisters, I want us to pray, and I want to encourage you. Try it. It's also a great thing to share out in our small groups. Those four questions, awesome thing to share out in, in our small groups for accountability and for details. Amen? Amen. Guys, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to you, and we thank you. Um, we thank you because we know that ultimately, Lord, you're looking for us. God, we, we are looking for you, and, and that's good, and you are never where you are not wanted. But, Lord, I know that actually you're looking for us a thousand, a million times harder than we look for you. I pray that we can get encouragement from that. I pray, Father, that we can understand that we are loved, that you are searching for us with a passion and a desperation that we really don't quite see all the time. We are grateful, and I pray, Father, for those who are visiting, that this will be a time where they can really look for you in the right places. For those of us who are seeking and really intensely looking in terms of moving our lives in Christ, I pray, Father, that you would show them clearly where they need to go. And for those of us who are in the church, that you would enable us to kind of be excited about looking at how you're going to unravel the details of your will. Get excited about finding you in new ways, even as Christians. Father, knowing that you're hanging out in these places. Father, we love you. Thank you so much. Be with those of us, God, who even in the fellowship um, can feel still that sting of being in the lost, the least, and the left out. Help us to gain encouragement is that with Christ, everything is turned upside down. Lord, we love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And thank you, brothers and sisters.